Everybody and welcome back to the show. This is the Game by Show podcast, everyone. This is uh, November the 14th. My name is Legrand Jolly. Joined with me, as always, my two co-hosts, Jeremy Lamont and Dale Eleanor Jones. Hello. Hi. Hey. Oh, hi. Hey, mid-November. Got your uh, got your Thanksgiving shopping all done? I, I, can't, I can't believe that Thanksgiving is next week. It's like an early Thanksgiving this year, you know what I mean? I already did Thanksgiving this weekend with my parents in New Mexico. Oh, New Mexican oh, Thanksgiving. Yeah. That's yeah. why you went to New Mexico. Yep. Yeah, we did. We did early Thanksgiving. We had a Thanksgiving lunch at work today. Yeah, so did we. At lunch today. Oh, cool. At work today. Nice. They catered in turkey and cranberry sauce and the whole nine yards, man. Nice. Nice. So, uh, what is the what is the uh, Thanksgiving dish that you avoid at all costs? I don't eat stuffing. Really? At all costs. It's just like bread. Have you ever had stuffing that has like sausage in it? Uh, you know what I think about stuffing? What? I avoid stuffing at all costs. I don't think I have a Thanksgiving dish that I avoid at all costs. I'm pretty good. I'm pretty okay with a lot of the the one thing I will say is that I'm not crazy about either turkey or ham. That if somebody wanted to just do like Thanksgiving steaks instead, I'd be down for that. Thanksgiving steaks. <laughs> You're a disgrace. Yeah, I'd, I'd be okay with that. Yeah, I'd be okay. Why with not? That. Steaks are great no matter where you mm-hmm. eat them and when. Sure, okay. And turkey just makes you tired. And ham is just, it's like, it's all salted, and it's just not, ham is just not very good, you know what I mean? Unless it's like sliced on a, on a sandwich, you know? Well, sounds like you guys are, are ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. What's your Thanksgiving plans, Jeremy? Uh, you know, I think I'm going to be doing some kind of service project this year. I don't know, I don't know what yet. Uh, I'm thinking about maybe, I mean, honestly, I, I haven't really decided, but I think I'd like to maybe go to like a, uh, an elder care place or something or, or do something I, I don't know what i want to do something like on thanksgiving that. yeah mm-hmm. do y'all play football on thanksgiving football play football no. oh you guys don't do that whole thing where you get out with the boys in the neighborhood and go play football somewhere <laughs> no I don't, i've never played football on thanksgiving i'm actually gonna try to link up with some of uh, grand's football team and their dads and go out to some field and play football on thanksgiving oh, it's a tradition that? people do that i don't know i've never heard of that before you've never heard of that the turkey bowl so how about how about like some ultimate frisbee i, I could do that like if we here's what here's what we're gonna do a millennial thanksgiving we're gonna have steaks and ultimate frisbee just the way the pilgrims did <laughs> that sounds all right steaks ultimate frisbee and uh potato chips there you go yeah <laughs> Sounds nice. great. Uh, well, welcome back to the show, everybody. Uh, I am. I have Halloween candy on my desk. I went up to go check on my boys and uh, see that they were in bed, and I took some Halloween candy. Um, I, I slowly take it for myself over time. It's the dad tax. Those kids don't contribute in any way to the household. They well, the, they would have candy for decades if I didn't eat it because they don't eat it very fast. Oh. Well, that and maybe they do eat it fast, but they don't. They have a, so much candy that you know they don't even notice. There's it's a victimless it's a victimless crime. Uh, I, I took I took a, a a mini Twix and a mini Milky Way. Oh, that looks so good. And a mini Snickers bar. That looks really good. I would just like eat those all at the same time. I would just like. Oh, that sounds 
That sounds a little ridiculous. That's the new Thanksgiving. That's the new Halloween. That's what we do. Uh, well, guys, tonight's tonight where we talk about the video games that we have all been playing. And it's been... We didn't record last Wednesday at all. So it's That's been true. at least two weeks for all of us. Maybe even three for me. I don't know. I can't remember if I was on the last one or not. You know, that reminds me that I actually had something I was going to talk about last week and I forgot what it was. <laughs> what was it? Oh, it must have been really fun. No, it wasn't really good. But I'll think about it. I'll think Clearly. of it. I'll think of it. Well, uh, who wants to start? Who wants to start us off? I don't know. I'm curious to know what Dale's been up to. Not a whole lot that you haven't heard before, as it turns out. Um, so I picked up Diablo 3 on the Switch. And yes. that's mostly really, really good. Um, it runs like a dream. And the the control scheme in-game is, is uh, like when you're running around doing stuff, is very good. Um, even the, the things that you might... The skills, rather, that you might think... Um, it's like, how did they transfer that over? Because it requires a you know a mouse click here or whatever. Um, those, I guess they did some sort of just like an auto aim or something. It seems to work out just fine. I haven't had any troubles with that. Um, like when you're like using like zombie bears or something, like that all works out okay? Exactly. And it's, it's funny you mentioned that because I'm playing a witch doctor primarily. Nice. Of course you are. It's the best class. I don't know if it's the best, but it's it's the one that I chose. <laughs> what do you mean it's not the best? Are we going to have this debate again? My favorite class overall is the wizard. Um, but That's the only class that I haven't. No, I have. I had a hardcore wizard pretty far okay. until it died. Until it died. That's the longest I've, I've got a wizard. That's like the only class I don't have. No, I do have a wizard up to max level. I, you should. I mean, I have them all at max level on the on the PC. But for the for the switch so far, I've I tried a like a hardcore witch doctor that died very quick because I didn't understand how the um, suspend state worked <laughs> with the game. Uh, and then I had a um, hardcore um, demon hunter that I played only to like level ten or something before I was like, you know, hardcore. For now, I'm I'm gonna hold off. It seems like kind of a waste of time. Um, but I started a crusader offline uh, that I got to like uh, like, like level 10 again or whatever. But the witch doctor, I'm playing online seasonal. Um, and the witch doctor is at like 55 or something at this point. Um, and it's working out real well. The one gripe I have. How fast is it to level up that you're playing without like all your paragon and stuff? Um, well, I mean, it's just like it would be. Anyway, I, you can still go up to master. Well, usually when you play and you have a ton of Paragon, you can like crank all your stats up early and play at way harder difficulty. Like early. Right. On. Yeah. No, I know what you mean. Uh, I, I don't know. Have you not ever played a seasonal character? It's because you don't get your Paragon stuff when you do that, right? Oh, that's right. Uh, it's just, I don't, you know, it's just the normal speed. Like uh, I've cranked it up to, um, I left it on normal difficulty for like maybe the first 20 levels and then I bumped it up to hard or whatever's next and then later on i bumped it up again so that it's i guess it's expert now um and i think i'm gonna sit there until probably until i get to level 60 and then maybe i'll hmm. hit it up to um uh i don't know maybe you, can, you might have to get to 70 before you can do torment i forget uh, I, I don't think so I maybe don't think not. you do if you can handle it i think you can do whatever no, you I, want. I think uh, I, I don't think i have the ability to do torment just yet so i might have to hit really? 60 yeah i think you might have to hit 60 first because that was the first level cap right um but anyway i'm gonna uh i'm taking my time actually to bump up the difficulty just because that way you you tend to get better drops um the longer you stay at a level. I mean, I'm just making this up, but basically it, um, if you wait until you're like overleveled before you go into the next one, it makes it easier to continue. Right. 
So you never really mm-hmm. hit that like speed bump. You, you don't get a lot of friction. Um, in how, the uh, curve. how does the fidelity of the experience hold up? Is it, uh, for, so, so all the action and everything it, like in game, like running around and doing stuff is, is, is like a hundred percent. It's awesome. Um, where the, where the, uh, the port, I guess kind of like runs into a few little issues is in the menu system, which I find a little bit clumsy. Um, did they redo them or? Well, yeah, they had to. Because, because I mean, it's you play it with mouse and keyboard versus on a controller. Well, they already right? have it on the PlayStation and Xbox, right? So yeah, but I haven't played that, that control scheme, right? Uh, yeah, I assume it's the same thing. I haven't played those, though. Uh, so this is my first experience playing the game with a controller. And the, um, I mean, I think they probably have done it in an intelligent way, but it's not the way that I'm, it's not at all a way that I'm used to. And so, like, for instance, what happens is... Um, when you're on the item screen and you want to compare like something you just picked up to what you're wearing, it requires a button press. You have to hit the Y button to display the like statistics of the thing that you picked up. Uh-huh. Um, whereas if you don't do that, you get a like you get a view of multiple items at once. But it's like it just gives you the summary of like um, so there's like offense, defense and recovery. And it just gives you a sort of summary. It's like this is either it's like up a little bit, up a little bit more or up a lot. Or it's down a little bit, down a little bit more, down a lot. Right, right, right. right. Um, but that doesn't help when you when I mean when you're like, you know, an old pro at Diablo, like you want to know all that like um, in depth info about the item that you just picked up, especially the things that are not factored into those little calculations. Um, like you want to know if you're getting thirteen extra percent when you use jar of spiders versus when you use uh, you know poison darts or whatever, and. And those those are not figured into those little that little like one line summary. So uh, it requires a not only does it require a button press to see that info, but it also requires. So when you bring up the status menu, um, your character is like in a circle of uh, the various equipment slots and you select those equipment slots you want to look at by using the left analog stick and then you hit a. And then that takes you into the little menu where you can jog through all the, the things that you picked up in that slot. So like all your helmets, all your amulets, whatever. What I find happens to me is that once I've hit that Y button, so I'm in that little menu going up and down through all the things in that slot. Uh-huh. Once I hit that Y button to see the detail, your instinct is to hit the B button to cancel out of that to go back to the summary mode so you can see all the rest of the items. But if you hit the B button to go back, it takes you back to the equipment slot selection instead of the item selection within the equipment slot so it takes you back an extra step that you didn't want to go exactly it's and it's it's just a thing that is i think it's going to take a while longer with the game to get used to a little quirk like that and then there's also it does the thing where um it has tabs of a menu that you swap through using the shoulder buttons which is fine but when you get like five or six or seven tabs it gets a little bit cumbersome because then you can't like with a browser and tabs you can move them around and order them or like Excel columns or something. You can move them around and have them in whatever order you want. But of course, in a console game, you're not allowed to tinker with the UI at all. And so if you want to run over from your equipment to your, your companion, what do they call those guys? Your follower, uh, your pet your bro, familiar, the I Templar, your Templar guy, yeah. your, your wingman, your, your, your buddy. If you want to go over to your buddy's uh, equipment, <laughs> it's like three or four extra tabs over when those two in the middle are like are not any necessarily what I want at the it's just 
I'm very particular about my UIs, especially yeah, in a game that you're going to play as much as Diablo. Sure. And while I think this is, I think it's done probably about as well as you can, the game was not from the ground up conceived for a console. And I think if it had been, or for a controller rather, if it had been, you would, there might have been other decisions that went into the yeah. systems of the game, right? Whereas, because uh, it's pretty clearly a game with a bunch of systems that was designed to work a certain way that's been pretty deftly adapted to console, but there's still a few little, you know, rough edges and things. Although that's just in the menus outside of the menus. It's pretty amazing. It's pretty flawless. Does it have a local co-op on the switch? I I believe it does. Uh, Online as it uses, probably uses the Nintendo online service, right? Yeah, no. Um, Well, I, you know, I don't know because I you should try it. See if you can I've get played it online, online in the in the sense that I've always played Diablo online, which is like it's always been required to be connected to the internet. In this game, you don't have to be connected; you can play it offline, which is interesting. And you can look at the like seasonal leaderboards and things without being a member of Nintendo Online, which I'm not. Um. What I've not tried to do is like you know, Legrand has his version, and we we right. meet up and we play Diablo together. I would assume that, yes, you do need Nintendo Online for that. As as far as you know, does it have parody, release parody with the PC version? Or is it like real money auction house time? No, no, it doesn't have that either. Uh, the console versions are on their own release parody situation. Uh, so they are not... Um, well, they got to balance it differently because they do. of yeah. just the way the control scheme is, I think, right? Yeah, yeah. They, and I think they... They get pretty close. It's not like they're like three updates behind the PC version or anything. Right. But I think there are some things that they do not have and and vice versa. Because, for instance, the PC version doesn't have the dodge roll, which I guess I should mention. That's um, one way that they compensate for you not being as uh, mobile, I guess, because with a mouse, you can go wherever you want, whenever you want, right? You're not quite as agile when you're using an analog stick. So what they do is they give you a dodge roll, much like Kratos has. It's on the right stick. And it's, I mean, it's exactly like Kratos is, right? Um, it, at least in the older God of War games. Right. <laughs> you right. you just hit the stick and, you, and they dodge in that direction. And I think there's invincibility frames in there. Um, I haven't tried to test it out too much, but I'm pretty sure I've been able to roll through. Well, why would, why would you not want to roll and... That'd be the point of rolling, right? It's get, be invincible. Well, part of it, but well, it could also quicker, be to cancel out of... It's a dodge. Cancel out of attacks. That's a big. That was a big thing about God of War is that you could cancel out of any attack yeah. at any time. No, Diablo doesn't have cancels. There's no need to because nothing ever locks you into an animation that you can't mm. just, you know, yeah. run away while you're doing something. Except there's there's like spells that you have to channel, which just means that you have to stay in place when you do them. But that's it. Like zombie bears. Do you have to channel zombie bears? Yeah. Well, maybe I'm thinking of the like zombie bears. Well, that, you like, can. I mean, you, you don't have to. You can throw them one at a time, but you can also just sit there and hold the button and just launch zombie bears. Oh, I'm thinking of a different zombie. I'm thinking of the like wall of zombies rune that turns it into bears and they yeah. explode out from you in a in a 360 degree circle. <laughs> this is the most ridiculous description. <laughs> they come out from the ground. They come out from the ground and then they like they like surface like a dolphin and then they go back underground. <laughs> you know, you know what I wonder? I I'm wondering if maybe they didn't actually modify some of the skills for the console versions slightly, you know, to just you know, cuz they like like I said they had to add the dodge mode and some other stuff. It's the it's the wall of wall of zombies skill with the one that turns them into bears. That's the one you're talking about, right? What are you talking about? I I propose we move on from this because I don't think we're going to resolve this. Uh, but man, it's it's really good. It's it's really good and really fun. Um, 
The other thing, I, I was I wanted to play some uh, Castlevania Rondo of Blood, so I, I had to break out the Vita and charge it because it was dead. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but that's a that's a fun game. It's always worthwhile. I also had uh, an occasion to play a round of of uh the the game uh Kill Team, which is the like small scale style of playing Warhammer forty thousand, um with my stepdad while I was in New Mexico. So I took like some of the the Marines, the Space Marines that I painted, and some dice, and we like set up on the dinner table with some like glasses and salt shakers and stuff as uh, terrain. And then we, well, I had the source book with me and I was like flipping back through like weapon references and like turn orders and all this stuff. Was your stepdad like, boy, I knew you would turn out this way. <laughs> That's a good boy. No, he was, he was, uh, he was a good sport about it. Um, he ended up winning actually. His, nice. his dice were uh, much hotter than mine. Let and, the stepdad um, win. Uh, and yeah, he, uh, his uh, imperial fists broke my uh, world eaters. It was pretty bad. Huh. But yeah, that's that's a lot I've been playing lately. I uh, look forward to hearing about Rondo of Blood next week. Rondo of Blood. Rondo of Blood. I'm going to play Castlevania 4. Yeah, that's not a bad choice. Super Nintendo? Uh, it's the best choice. Not bad? Because I, I don't think I have a version of Symphony of the Night I can play right now. Really? PS1? PSP? PS4? There's the... Um... I don't think I have it on any of those officially. There's that thing that they just released, which is Rondo and Symphony. I probably have it on the Xbox 360. I think I have that version. Yeah, there's that version too. But I don't have my Xbox 360 here. No matter which way you decide to play it, I mean, much like Diablo 3, it's a fantastic game, no matter how you play it. It's true. True story. Indeedy. Uh, Well, I guess I can talk about what I've been playing. All right, cool. Please. Uh, I've been playing Battlefield 5. Ooh. Battlefield V, as they say. Oh my goodness. I actually signed up for the trial of that. Um, and we talked about this on the show on Sunday, but I signed up for that trial. Uh, it was it EA Origin Access. Origin Access. I signed up for the basic one because the basic one allows you to play new games for like 10, 10 hours. 10 hours, yeah. Uh, but I think I want to get this game for more than 10 hours. Really? Which sucks because I got to figure out how I want to get it. If I want to subscribe to their goddamn service or if I want to uh, just buy the game. I'm kind of leaning just to buy the game because I don't want to get stuck into another service. But a serv- the service is only $100 for a year and I'll get Anthem for it as well. Because that's coming out next year sometime. Mm. Uh, plus I can play uh, Battlefront 2 and play through that single player campaign. I don't really care about the multiplayer. I wouldn't mind checking out the single player campaign though. It's not bad. It's good. Anyway, so... Uh, by contrast, the the last time I was on this podcast, the Wednesday show, I believe I talked about Call of Duty Black Ops 4, right? That's right, yeah. So now, Battlefield 5, these are basically, these guys have been competitors. They both come out in, you know, holiday season and uh, have been competing for decades. Right. We're talking like 60 years or so at this by this point, <laughs> since World War II ended. It actually started at World War II, the big five, America, yeah. England, uh, Russia so, and Battlefield. And <laughs> so what's interesting is while uh, Call of Duty kind of um, after Modern Warfare one, Call of Duty four, um, it seems like Call of Duty kind of morphed more into the arcadey. Uh, I know they, they always had like a really over the top single player campaign, but the multiplayer was very arcadey and fast paced and kill streaks and Mm. You know, sprint, 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 run, 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 run. All right, aim, kill guy. Hopefully you get the jump on the dude and you can headshot better than he can and keep running and then, you know, get kill streaks, you know, launch UAVs, drop nukes. Blah, get blah, that blah. no scope. 
Yeah, well, Battlefield Five is uh, in battle. The Battlefield series in general has kind of always tended to go a little bit more realistic. Like the whole thing has been, hey, we're gonna have a huge all-out, you know, thirty-two on thirty-two battle um, with tanks and airplanes and bombs and lots of destructible cover and all sorts of stuff. So the other side of it is that Battlefield has always kind of taken a more realistic approach to uh, their single-player campaign as well, where um, this one, so they had Battlefield 1 that came out. Was that last year or was it two years ago, Battlefield 1? That was two years ago, right? Uh, yeah, I think it was. Yeah, and last year was Battlefront. Yeah, it's Battlefront 2, right? Yeah. Okay, so Battlefield 1 was two years ago, and that was like a very uh, realistic take on you know World War One. Um, and I played a little bit of that uh, multiplayer. I didn't play any of the campaign. Um, and then this game, uh, of course, is now World War II. Uh, and it starts out, when you load into the game, before you actually even get to the menu, it kicks you into like a whole vignette where you're, it's kind of talking about, it's, it's actually very similar to the, the intro to Battlefield 1, um, where you're kind of dropped in to play in a bunch of different scenarios that are that last maybe one or two minutes. And then um, it kind of kicks you out and is like, yeah, war, war's like the worst thing ever. War never changes. Yeah, basically, right? Um, but uh, they do kind of a lot to kind of recognize the fact that, you know, and we kind of talked about this on Sunday as well, but war is just a super thing that um, it, it's just a just bad news bears all around. Like, it's not good for anybody. And and this game kind of, uh, and, and also Battlefield 1 kind of had that same thing where they kind of drive that home where it's kind of like, hey, this is a game, but ultimately this stuff that we're trying to portray here is you know, not a pleasant thing, you know? So while yes, you'll have fun playing this, you should, you know, actually think about the fact that the reason why world war two happened was pretty shitty and lots of people died. So when, when you get that sweet 360 no scope headshot right in the cornhole, uh, just remember that some of these grandparents, well, there's none of that in this game. Like I said, call of duty kind of heads that direction, right? Like the 360 no scope has always been for the call of duty bros. And this game is more of the, um, it's a more a methodical the, the navel gazing like conscientious objectors play Battlefield. Yeah, well, it's the 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 grand scope of the game is um is uh it's just more of a realistic take on the shooter genre, especially in like you know wartime. Um, it's really cool actually to kind of go back to World War II because you know the running joke of the internet was, or the gaming world for a while was like you know there's like a zillion World War II shooters that are out and. Um, that kind of stopped at some point with like what Call of Duty three, I guess, was probably the last one of those. Yeah. Um, you know, there's like 1942. Wolfenstein. Then, uh, Wolfenstein, <laughs> sure. Wolfenstein. Uh, Medal of Honor games. Um, and there's a ton of World War II games, and you know that was now you know 15 years ago. Uh, and technology has advanced quite a bit. And this game is probably one of the best looking games I've ever seen. Mm. Um, it looks incredible. And when they drop you into those early single player missions, um, it's really really impressive. Just everything that that Dice has put into the game is, I mean, to take like a Battlefront where you know, the level of detail that they put into the Star Wars universe for Battlefront is impressive regardless of whether you like the game or not or whether you want to buy loot boxes or not. Um, they basically have done that for World War II, which is, you know, it, it, it's an amazing feeling game. Um, and so I've, I, I haven't played a whole lot of the single player. Uh, I played just through that opening sequence, which probably took about 20 minutes. Um, and I actually played through it, I think, right before we recorded on Sunday, but never really got back to the single player. Uh, but the multiplayer itself is um, actually turns out to be a lot of fun um, where, you know, in classic Battlefield fa fashion, they kind of 
you know, there, there's, there's levels, there's maps where you're playing like 32 on 32 with tanks, planes, you're running through a city and it's, it's pretty cool because you actually start out out in a level and the level is, you know, nice and pretty and the, it, it's, a, it's an amazing looking game. And so you'll have a nice uh, field of wheat and you'll have these buildings and this little city and, and they kind of try to base all these maps off of actual real battles that happened um, in, uh, in in world war ii right so you're like heading into this city to like you know do whatever you're going to do to defend against the the armies or whatever and so um when you start out it's like this normal city that's all built up but throughout the the progression of the match um as you're throwing grenades around as tanks are driving through the city blowing things up you know battlefield has always been really really big on the destructible environments um and this game is exactly that it's it's really really impressive to be in a building kind of looking out a window shooting down at some guys and have a tank just kind of blow that building apart and now you're just left standing up in the attic with like no walls around you um so it's 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 a pretty impressive feeling um to have all that happen around you um and have it changed and that that, that kind of started with i think the bad company 2 was kind of the first game that really kind of brought in the destructible environments and they've kind of just continued to progress and i i played you know battlefield 3 i played battlefield 4 i played hardline a little bit and i've kind of been a big battlefield fan from the beginning and this game is kind of next level destructible environments and it's really it's really cool what about the vehicles i know the vehicles are like a big uh kind of a big deal in, in battlefield i know it's usually like waiting in line for the airplane right is that still how, how does this compare actually, to that early I, experience I've actually never been in a tank in Battlefield Five yet. Uh, I've been in a couple like uh, smaller like truck vehicles with like mounted guns. Um, I haven't been in a tank, but yeah, like you said, there's always like um, some sort of an air battle that's happening above um, with bombers and you know other other planes and stuff while the ground troops are doing their thing with tanks and everything like that. I love like running in front of everybody to get the airplane and then immediately crashing it. That's so much fun. <laughs> you know, that's that's exactly why I don't fly airplanes. Um, <laughs> And there's actually a part of the in those that first little start of the game where you you fly around. Um, but a, a lot of the cool stuff with Battlefield as well is kind of the objective based gameplay. They have a lot of stuff where you're actually advancing through a map and doing multiple different types of objectives, kind of in a push, kind of like a push pull fashion against the enemy team, where they're trying to do the same thing to you and you're trying to do the same thing to them, and you kind of push and pull across like this series of objectives that kind of happen in a line. Have they ever brought back the rush mode from Bad Company 2 that was so awesome? Well, they, they it seems like they tend to kind of expand on that. And that's what this kind of mode is, where you're kind of just advancing through these different checkpoints. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this, but at some point, at the same time, the enemy team can also push back against you, where it's not just you're defending the whole time. Um, where, like, for example, there's like a, a certain mode, and I don't know what it's even called, but you basically start out and there's like five points that need to be captured. Um, and they're all kind of in a line. And if one enemy team happens to capture all five of them, then it kind of turns into a rush mode after that, where there's three more objectives that line up that you have to carry a bomb to and blow up. I like that. And if you and if you don't, and you like take too long to do that, then it'll actually kick you back to the other mode where the other enemy team has a chance to kind of push yeah. back against you. Um, and then they do the same thing on your side as well. And so the maps are kind of designed to support a lot of that. The other cool part about it is as you're, as you're kind of advancing through those, those checkpoints, one thing that you can do because of the destructible environments, you can actually rebuild up your environments. And so say you're in a building and all of a sudden that building, gets kind of blown to hell. You, you can actually take and you hit the T button and your guy pulls out a hammer or he pulls out some sandbags and you start building up walls to kind of refortify your position, um, which can be blown up again by a tank. Um, and so you kind of do that to kind of build your own cover 
um, progressively and dynamically through the through the levels, and that happens, you know, all the time. And you get points for it, and you know that type of stuff. And so, uh, mm. it, but it also helps to have those, you know, that that cover that you can get behind. So you're not just kind of out in the open defending a flag. You actually create an actual fortification. That's neat. Um, so as as the enemy advances, then you can kind of defend a little bit better against it. Um, they also have this other really cool thing that's called a, I think it's called grand grand campaign or grand grand battles um where they actually take a real uh battle in um in world war ii and they spread it out across maybe like three different maps that are kind of in the same area with different types of objectives and uh depending on how you uh, actually perform um versus the enemy team so it's basically like maybe maybe it's like a, a series of three rounds that happen like standard multiplayer matches, but they all kind of are chained together in such a way where there actually is an overall winner after all three. So it's like a best of three, uh, but the the levels are kind of chained together where if you do really well in the first one, then in the next one, you get a little bit of a benefit. Like, oh, you did really well and you had X amount of guys left over. And so you get a little boost to, um, you know, your, your attackers at the beginning, or you get some extra, some extra bonus in the next level. And then the next level kind of proceeds and carries that story arc along through the battle across those three different missions. I feel like EA in general with their different franchises, with their, their Star Wars and their Titanfall and their and their Battlefield, I feel like they've done a real good job engineering new kinds of game modes, like dynamic objectives and things like that that make it really interesting and it's not always just deathmatch all the time. And, and that's why it really stands out against like a Call of Duty, like a Black Ops 4. Like a, a, and, I, and Black Ops 4 kind of seems like the game where... Um, you can jump in and jump out. You can jump in and play by yourself and have a good old time just doing team deathmatch, right? It's just a team deathmatch machine, in my opinion. Uh, where Battlefield Five, like I don't want to play Battlefield Five by myself. I'd rather play with people because it's got that whole concept of squads as well, right, where you actually squad up. You can spawn on your squad. Um, you can re- anyone. So there's different classes, and so anybody in the squad can. Sp- can revive the other members of the squad, even if they're not the medic class, the medic class can do it faster and the medic class can revive other members of the team, the overall team. Uh, But everyone, it really, you know, favors squad gameplay to where you kind of play with your friends um, and to group up and actually coordinate your attacks. Um, So while Call of Duty feels like the game where I feel like I can just jump in, you know, headshot some dudes or get headshotted more like it. And, uh, and Battlefield feels like the game where I, I want to play with my friends to actually strategize and, you know, be a part of a team. Be, be, because if you're not, you know, playing and using the squad, then you're not going to you're not going to win. Right. I mean, you're, you're going to be bad. And at the very end of the game, it actually will award the best squad and it pops up. And that's like, you know, a, a little accolade that that you get. But uh, overall, um, I'm very, very impressed with Battlefield five. I didn't really like Battlefield one as much. It felt like the weapons were just too old, I guess. Like I just didn't like the, the recoil and uh, where this game, they're a little bit more modern in battle in uh, world war two. And so um, there's a lot of unlocks and progressions. And I guess I heard that they, uh, they are bringing in microtransactions, but you can't do it yet. Right. Um, so I think they wanted to get away from the initial wave of, uh, a bad press that microtransactions may have brought. They learned a little bit from battlefront too, I suppose. But, um, I guess they are bringing, uh, microtransactions and from what I can tell, it's just going to be to purchase, um, like, uh, just cosmetic stuff, like new uniforms for your characters. And, um, it does a really good job of kind of, uh, um, allowing you to kind of build out your different characters. So you can actually create a character, give them an appearance for every different class in the game. So every time you play that class, you look a certain way uh, and you unlock different, you know, appearances for those. And so using little, you know, 
EA Battlefield points that you get by just playing the game, I guess. Um, so overall, I, I'm pretty impressed with it. Like I said, I, I did the 10-hour trial with the Origin Access Premiere, and I feel like I'm going to probably end up either buying the game outright or just dropping $100 and signing up for the EA Access Premiere so that I just... So I'll get add them just and I'll play get, it for you know, yeah. yeah, I'll have it for a year and I'll get at least, you know, two games that I want out of it, which is worth $120, I guess, if you look at it. In addition, if you have the Origin Access Premiere, you also get all the DLC and all the bonus content that the extra deluxe edition would get you. Um, so like the $80 version or the $70 version of the game, uh, you get all that content for free if you have the the Origin Access Premiere. So they really are forced, trying to push that subscription model down down your throat which is which is okay so i actually think it's a pretty good value um if you're into if you're a gamer you know and you plan on buying a couple games from ea a year it's probably worth your time and yeah money. or like you were saying the sports i think are included with that right oh yeah you can play madden on pc this year yeah. um and then uh, fifa i believe is also on pc yep so and those are available to the ea um the origin access premiere and in addition you also get to play battlefield 5 like what two weeks early yeah uh, if you actually subscribe i mean this game isn't technically out yet right i mean it's not out on i don't think so it comes out yeah it comes out i think in two days and then um even later on for the people who bought like the regular version right those schmucks yeah anyway good game though so i would recommend it to people and um yeah it's fun so there you go that's what i've been playing basically Well, I did remember the game that I played uh, last week that I was going to talk about, and I'll just talk about it very briefly because I'm not quite sure what to make of it. I played a game called Scum, which is in early access, and it's all in caps, S-C-U-M. Oh, that's a survival thing, isn't it? Yeah, that's exactly what it is. So it's one of the... I'm trying to think of other games like this. So there's like... um, uh, You know, all those games where you start out like naked or whatever, and a lot of them have like dong sliders for length, you know, dong length. Yeah, what's up with that? I don't get it. Yeah, I don't, I don't get it either, but this has that, and I think it's just, like, they even have a thing where if you pay their supporters package, you know, package. You uh, get a longer dong slider? Y- yes, you do, actually. So, what you, you like, automatically <laughs> get a bit, two inches off of whatever, you know, on top of whatever else. Uh, so, whatever. Anyway, uh, so this is a survival... Um, what like action you know kind of like arma or 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 day z or something like that where they kind of start you out with nothing and you wander the countryside finding small components to build you know there's a crafting system you build more complicated uh weapons and clothing and armor and, and things um and i am not sure that i'm playing this right i mean this is one of those things where if you come across so there are zombies in this it's sort of like you're a an inmate is it a persistent world or is it like one-off matches it is persistent but it's sort of semi-persistent i think so somebody starts a server and you you know you just play on there until it goes away so it's not like you have as far as i can tell it's not like you it's not like an mmo where you have an account and you just maintain that character all the time yeah but there's like a server and your progress is saved on the server yes correct so you can like kind of like daisy where you could like rent a dedicated server and Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, and and then if you if you die and respawn, it'll cost you prestige or whatever. But uh, it's super complicated, like to the point where you know not only do you have to worry about things like hunger and warmth and fatigue and whatever else, but they have things that are like the different nutrition types. Like you have to maintain electrolytes or something. I, you know, I what? Yeah, and it even counts the number of teeth you have. So it actually, I, I never what? lost any teeth, but yeah, it's like out of 32, how many teeth do you have? Because I guess if you lose <laughs> them, I don't know, I guess you're going to be sucking. You have to eat applesauce. Yeah, exactly. You're going to be sucking liquid through a straw or something. Um, and I never got nearly that far into it. In fact, mostly what I find is I would go anywhere 
and basically starve to death because I couldn't figure out how to get actual food. I could start, I could use rocks to build a rudimentary sort of knife. Uh, but then I also found, apparently they have these like secret underground Metal Gear style, you know, mech bases or something. And so I'd run in there and I'd basically get smeared by some like stompy mech thing with a machine gun. Uh, so I don't know. I, that's kind of scum. I, that was been my experience. I actually streamed it on the Twitch.tv <laughs> page. I think it got exported to YouTube. So you can go see me play that for an hour and basically just get killed by everything. Uh, over at uh, YouTube. Sounds pretty good. Yeah, slash Game Bite Show. Uh, the other thing that I did a little bit of is the new Overwatch character, Ash, uh, just came out. Is she week. out? Yeah, she is out as of like yesterday or today. Um, huh. So she's uh, like uh, Girl McCree, sort of. She's like the cowboy girlfriend. Um, and she's got, she's kind of like a mid-range sniper slash shotgun blaster. And she's got kind of this grenade thing, this dynamite. You can shoot the dynamite and it explodes real big. Uh, her her um, ultimate ability is she sends out her robot buddy, Bob, who becomes sort of like a, kind of like a little placement turret. He's like this giant burly robot with a big mustache and he runs out until he hits something and then stops there and just starts blasting away you know what's funny is the the joke on the heroes of the storm side of things is that they're going to make bob a character in heroes of the storm and not ash because uh, ash probably has a lot of analogs already in the, in the game uh, yeah yeah like she's basically like a sniper or whatever and bob is a, yeah yeah exactly bob's your uncle She's pretty cool. Yeah, Bob. Bob, do something. So she's she's pretty cool. Uh, but did you get to play her? Or I did. Was, I'm yeah, sure I did. everyone was trying to play her. Right. They are, so yes, it's the quickest. Yep. The quickest to load and actually click the character button. Yep. Her. Exactly. Exactly right. Uh, <laughs> That's like the worst part about these new character launches. Like in Heroes of the Storm, it's like, oh well, now it's going to take you 20 minutes to find a match because everybody wants to play this character. Yeah, exactly. And um, so you could probably do like arcade mode and play like all Ash all the time. But the good thing is that nobody's playing Hammond anymore, right? Yeah, right, exactly. Or I, I realize there are a ton of characters I've never played. Uh, they, they've added like, <laughs> yeah, they've added a, they've added a bunch of people to this. And uh, actually, you know, it's probably worth trying. But you know, uh, honestly, like, is she cooler than anybody else? I don't know. She's okay. Uh, but anyway, it's live right now. So if you have Overwatch on PC or console, uh, go try that out and uh, try your hand at Ash. Uh, the games that I've actually been playing this week, uh, a couple of interesting ones. So I played a game called Crawl which uh, I played on PC, and it is... Uh, actually, I think it originally came out in, like, 2015 or 2016, and it is a... Is multi- a baby simulator? Uh, no, no, good guess, though. Good guess. Uh, it's more okay. like Dungeon Crawl. Oh, I've seen this. Sort of like a dual dungeon-crawling, um, roguelike-ish kind of game, but the thing is that you are in competition with the person that you are playing with. Uh, the idea is that the person who is the hero is pretty standard. You, you know, wander through dungeon rooms and, and avoid traps and open chests and get money and find storekeepers and upgrade your equipment and that sort of thing. But the person that you're playing against will play as the bad guys, basically, as like this spirit who wanders around and inhabits things like furniture and throws furniture at you or uh, pentagrams to summon monsters and will summon monsters. And the idea is that you fight each other until the person who's the evil, the evil spirit kills you, takes your place, and then you become the bad guy, sort of the antagonist to that person. The idea is that it's a race sort of in terms of experience points because you got to get up to like level 10 before you can escape the dungeon. Uh, But the idea is that you want to go as long as you can as the hero leveling up and getting experience and maintaining your humanity so that you can get out of the dungeon once you come across the like the teleportation rune or whatever. Uh, Between rounds, 
Uh, every time you go down a level, it's sort of like, you know, you know, in between like gauntlet rounds, you can kind of level up and it counts how many XP you got and, and that sort of thing. So as you go, the hero levels up by getting basically more like powerful abilities, but you also level up your evil side, which is where you summon, you know, you might start out with something like rats. But then if you get enough evil experience, you can also then summon uh, like wolfmen and then they turn into like uh, beastly necromancers or something like that. So there's different, you know, there's like a skeleton uh, track and there's a, you know, there's blobs you can summon and things like that. So it sort of escalates as you go through the dungeon. Uh, the human player, like you, you basically want to try and stay the human as much as you can and get a bunch of experience. And the person who's dead simply tries to stop you until it culminates in a big boss fight and whoever is the antagonist can sort of take control of different elements of the boss to try and kill you so that you're not the one who gets out of the dungeon, basically. Um, so it's got this really interesting, like, back and forth kind of idea to it. And uh, it's cool because in the sense that you're leveling up and you're like, yeah, I got enough experience, I can level up my guy. Well, the person you're playing against also is similarly, like, it just it just escalates really elegantly, I think. Um, so there's okay. always a challenge going on. And it's just kind of an interesting idea of a dungeon hacker, dungeon crawler like that that you play. Um, competitively slash well there's not really any cooperativeness to it really it's i mean it's basically a competitive dungeon crawler um i played that on pc i think it is only and how are you competing how does the competition work well the competition is because you're only one of you can leave the dungeon so whoever is the human is the one who gets to go so whoever's the 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 villains the you know the monsters they're trying to kill you and and you know you as the spirit you inhabit those you know when you summon a, a wolfman or whatever you become that wolfman and everybody has different abilities like a primary and a secondary attack so you actually are directly competing against the human player and basically just trying to kill them so you Okay can... by human you mean human character in the game not human as in Yeah ev everybody who's playing human. is human there's no computer involved here really so yeah the human the human is like the the person the the hero who is trying to escape the dungeon, but you alternate like you each and nobody, take nobody's turns. controlling the dungeon. Uh, well, the, the, the ghost person is the dungeon. The, like it doesn't spawn enemies on its own. The, the human, the, the antagonist. Okay, so there's player. an actual player character that's controlling yes. dungeon master. Trying to stop and, and your you, progress. You like switch off who's the human, you know, the hero and who's the there's villain. There's been other games like this that have kind of come out that are similar in concept. Um, um, it seems I haven't seen them. I mean, this is the first time I've played anything like this. And I remember that the uh, that remember that uh, that latest Fable game that was canceled that that had a concept like that too, where you had somebody actually controlling the dungeon itself. Yeah, I mean, there there have been things like that where I mean, there's like um, there there was one a while ago where it was like a theme park dungeon theme park. I'm trying to remember what it was, and one person would sort of be the antagonist to the entire party of of four people. But the yeah. the idea here though is that you're just two two people switching back and forth between those roles, and the human, the the person who's the hero, the good guy, is the one who eventually gets to leave and win by escaping the dungeon. So the idea is you want to be it's like hot potato. You don't want to be the the monsters because that means the other guy's going to get out and win, basically. Is um, it like timed or? Not really, no. Or except that go until the person dies. The, yeah, you go until the person dies. So the longer the human and character, like, out. yeah, exactly. So when the person dies, then now you switch roles. And so you don't want to, if you're the human character, you want to keep moving because the, the antagonist, the villains, the monsters are going to, you know, that person is going to keep throwing stuff at you until you die. So there's kind of this urgency. So it's not like a, a methodical dungeon crawl. It's like, actiony and you know tense 
Sounds pretty fun. It, it is. It actually is. It really is fun. And the funny thing is, I had, I'd never heard about it. So, um, crawl on is it PC. New? Is it is it not new? No, it's, it's not. Been new. Out for it's a been while. Around, yeah, it has been around for a while. Huh. It's just the first. And people time. are still playing it. You can find matches. Uh, well, this was the situation where we actually just paired up. But uh, yeah, I mean, that, presumably you could play with someone. I mean, it has like uh, local co-op. If there's people still playing. Oh, local co-op. Yeah, you okay. can do it local. Yep. So, yep. Um, so you can, if you've got another person to play with, there's, you know, pretty good chance that you can, that you can play this. So you can play this over, remember the Parsec service that I talked about? You could play this yep. remotely with Parsec also. It actually works out pretty well. Uh, oh, cool. The main game that I've been playing this week, though, uh, is on the Nintendo Switch. Uh, it actually has come out on other platforms, but it just got its Switch debut this past week. I've been playing a game called Forgotten Anne, which is a Square Enix game. They actually provided us with a, a copy of the game. Yeah. So this is a Square Enix collective game, which means that it's from an indie studio that Square Enix is sort of, um, you know, cultivating or publishing on their behalf. Uh, the developer of the game is actually called Throughline Games, and they are like... Uh, so it's developed by, not developed by Square, it's developed by someone else published by Square? That's correct. That's correct. So these guys are Danish. They're from Denmark. They're, they're a, a game in... in uh, uh, development studio in Copenhagen and uh what this game is forgotten and and it's, it's spelled weird I think and I don't know why it's forgotten uh forgotten o-n at the end uh and mm -hmm. I, I don't know why except maybe for seo maybe like if you're going to search it maybe that's the easiest way to find it but uh but you play as uh, the eponymous Anne. the thing is that this game is basically like a like you know how um Nino Kuni is like animation, like it looks like a Studio Ghibli type thing. This mm -hmm. kind of looks like some some kind of middle era anime stuff. I mean, it looks like uh, I mean, it looks like Ghibli stuff from ten years ago or fifteen years ago. Uh, but it is a side-scrolling adventure game, and it is really kind of um, strikingly animated. I mean, it is. Uh, sort of sprite-based, so you, you, the, the character that you are is a hand-drawn animation, and all of the things that you do, climbing up ladders, climbing down, going into light sources and out, you know, the way it darkens and lightens the character, um, all of that stuff is hand-drawn. And it feels like, and then all of the, um, the, the voice acting as well, uh, also feels very, I mean, it, it really does have that feel of like a Ghibli movie, um, it just has that essence to it. Uh, the idea is that uh, there's this Forgotten Lands, which is where all of the lost things of the real world go. And uh, so the character of Anne is like one of the only two humans that you that you come across in the game. All the rest of the characters that you come across are like knickknacks and furniture and just like objects that are all anthropomorphized. They all talk. They all have motivations and things like that. Um, but it's an adventure game, so there's not a lot of, um, you know emergent gameplay it's more like this is a story that you're going to be playing as Anne who is like the enforcer she she has so this this land is infused with a life energy called anima that so they all of the little forgotten things are brought to life through the power of this anima and Anne has this thing on her hand called the arc which allows you to draw and to give anima uh, it's sort of like also the energy source of the world at large. And she is kind of like the right-hand henchwoman of the kind of the main, what would he be, like the, the the elderly prophet savior of all of these. He's like the ruler of the land or whatever. Um, and it kind of has sort of like, um, I, what kind of era? Like not quite steampunky, but maybe, you know, late... Victorian, Elizabethan, like, you know, kind of, kind of like provincial industrial era 
uh, type uh, environments, I guess. Um, but the thing is that 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 first impression that you get from the game, like, wow, this is like really cool looking, like, hey, it's animated. And, and you know, it'll even switch back and forth to fully animated cutscenes. In fact, the, the studio is apparently their thing is that they are a sort of a media fusion company. So this is their first game, that, at least on their website that's listed, and they're working on something else. But I think this is going to be their style of things. Like, I think they're going to want to make games that also kind of feel like they could be from an animated feature movie or they could be an animated feature movie themselves. Um, hmm. The control schemes, though, are, are fairly simple. It's mostly like walking left and right, uh, ascending and descending staircases and ladders. Uh, there are some light puzzle elements to it using the anima, you know, um, enabling machines. Uh, there's there's some, uh, uh, you know, some light what would you call it, like pathway making, like a, a pipe dream or something like that. There's like, you, you know, hmm. you kind of uh, route energy from one place to another to open doors and, and things like that. And the pipe the, dream, man, that's a deep cut. Yeah. And it, it, honestly, that's not, I couldn't think, <laughs> I couldn't think of anything else like it, but it's like, you know, you, you know, there are lines of energy that go from the canisters. Wasn't to there like a mini game in Bioshock two to like, yeah, Bioshock. Definitely. Yeah. Was it the first one. It, okay. it was the first one. Yep. That's exactly right. Uh, but it's not really anything on that level. It's more like, uh, you know, it's more puzzly in the in the sense of adventure games, you know, like uh, figure out how to enable this console by routing the power through these three junctions or something like that. It's it's stuff like that. Um, but the story is uh, quite compelling. It is uh, there's a little bit of uh, like good guy, bad guy. You have some decisions to make about are you going to because the thing is that Anne has this arc that allows her the arca that allows her to draw that anima you can draw anima from the forgotten things which is basically like murdering them you can like just they, they call it uh, distilling them you can distill them and they just turn into just objects um also some of them will die natural deaths and there's this whole plot line about crystallization and stuff like that but the whole thing is that all of the inhabitants of this forgotten land are trying to uh cross the ether bridge to go back to the real world to be with the humans that have forgotten them but is that really what's going on you know and Anne has to sort of uh as she is uh, investigating this rebellion of forgotten things against the the, the ruler of the kingdom, uh, she has to kind of come to terms with the idea like, oh, am I actually on the right side or whatever? And, you know, I'm sure you can kind of figure out kind of how that goes. But the journey of getting there is actually really, really fun. Um, you know, like I said, the gameplay itself is mostly like running around back and forth and kind of figuring out how to do some light uh, puzzle elements. There's also a little bit of platforming and gets these um, these wings that she can use to jump very high and kind of glide down and do some very long jumps. So there's some light platforming also that's going on there. But the real draw, I think, really is the presentation that that anime Ghibli um, I mean, it's it's almost like uh, I mean, maybe not Nausicaa, maybe a little bit newer than the Nausicaa, but it it looks like that, and it is like spot on. It's really really good. Um, there are some, you know, every once in a while there will be a little bit of animation jank as you move from a running animation to going down a ladder or something like that. But generally speaking, the first impression that you get from the game, I think to me, it has really lasted, and I just find myself being charmed by you know, pretty much everything. That I, I love stuff like that. That it. surprises you with the animation and the presentation and the look. And it, and it doesn't really get tiring either. There, there's like a lot of interesting. It's kind of like you play Cuphead for the first time, right? Like, yes. That's, a, I should have thought of Cuphead, but that's a great, that's a great example. I mean, it feels like that, except instead of being a, an action game, it is more of an adventure dialogue mystery, uh, kind of thing that's, that's set in an environment that is very, 
you know how those Ghibli movies are a little bit baloney? You're like, oh, come on, this is not probable. You know, or like, or like whatever. Like, I don't find this. No, like, yeah, like, you know, you know what I mean? Like, it's like this yeah, character a is bit, a uh, supernatural. A little yeah. Bit. And, and like kind of not like in a Western kind of way, you know, it's like, OK, I, you know, magical girl in a land of anime. OK, I, I can do that. Uh, and so, like I said, they just pull off that that element really, really well. And again, these guys are from Denmark. They're Danish. So, you know, there's no, you know, pro- probably, you know, no, no, uh, anime, uh, uh, traditionalists, I guess, to be seen. So, and it's won a lot of awards too. Like it just came out this year and it's just like looking at their website. Uh, a lot of people have recognized this game and these guys, um, for what they've done. It's, it's really pretty cool. So, um, again, I've been playing it on the Switch. Uh, it is also available on the PlayStation 4 and the Xbox One. It's on Steam. Uh, apparently, it's also on the Mac App Store. I could see this at some point, eventually, maybe even coming to mobile. Um, I mean, it's not anything super complicated. It's mostly like art assets. Um, but yeah, even those art assets, like there's just different versions of it. Like sometimes, eventually, you get to a point in the game where Anne is is not doing so well. And so all of her walking animations and climbing are sort of like slightly, you know, off and, and beleaguered. Uh, it's, it's just, it has a lot of attention to detail and it's just really well done and, and really cute. Um, so that is, uh, Forgotten Anne, which is available on, uh, various platforms and, uh, you know, take, maybe take a look at the, at the trailer or something. I mean, you'll get kind of the idea of what this is about and decide if it's something that you want to see. It's, it's really a cool little special experience. And for the price of a video game, um, you know, you, you could just watch, uh, you know, a Ghibli movie or something, but you know, why not, why not play through one? I think that has a compelling, um, has a compelling draw to it, I think. Sounds kind of cool. I thought yeah. it was going to be Anne of Green Gables. Uh, no. Yeah, the only thing that I can't figure out is that O. I can't figure out that spelling. It, it has to be for SEO. That's the only thing I can think, because it's not, as far as I can tell, there's not a trick to it anywhere in the game. But uh, yeah, so check that out from Square Enix, and uh, I, I definitely recommend it. Folks, I also recommend that you check out the Game Byte Show podcast when we return. I mean, this is the end of this episode, but guess what? We are already planning ahead for a new episode of our show at the top of the week when we will talk to you about the news and the new releases and a special topic of discussion. So uh, look forward to that in just a few days. Uh, but you can also check us out over at twitch.tv slash show where we are still streaming every week. Uh, this week, Jared and I jumped back into Overwatch and uh, thought we were going to be playing as Ash, but she came out the next day. So we mostly uh, tried out the uh, Capture the Flag mode and kind of just had a good old time. So come check us out over there. Also check out our Extra Life campaign at extra-life.org slash team slash show. Uh, check out our website on the internet, gamebyteshow.com to subscribe to our podcast uh, or to look at our back catalog. A lot of good uh, a lot of good material back there over the last couple of years. So go check that stuff out as well. And uh, you can also find a link to our Discord server in the show notes of every single episode. Uh, come join us on Discord, talk to us and let us know about the games that you've been playing and uh, come participate in our game clubs, in our little uh, freebie threads and, uh, you know, generally uh, come connect with us. We'd certainly love to have you there. Uh, so, folks, uh, that is going to do it for this episode of the Game Bite Show podcast. Thank you so much for joining us, and we will see you next time. See ya. Be seeing you. Be seeing you.